for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hi, bros. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. Serious questions. With silly people. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Hope you guys had a good week, man. I hope you stayed deep. <laughs> it's almost Halloween. Isn't that cool? I'm so excited. I hope it gets uh, beneath like 80 degrees in Los Angeles so we can actually feel what it feels like to have a normal Halloween. Um, so yeah, so I asked you guys last week for what scares you. And I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them on this episode because I think it's so cool to hear what freaks other people out. I feel like, you know, we don't always talk about the, the ooky stuff in life. We don't always talk about the, the blood and guts of life. So I, I, think it's, um, I think it's important. I think it makes you feel like less of a freak if you know that everyone else is pretty much thinking the, excuse me, the same stuff, which you'll see. When I read these, um, how how interesting it is that we all kind of share the same stuff. Oh, October 29th, I'm at Brea. It's a Brea Improv. One night only, October 29th, that's this week. The 8 p.m. show. Um, yeah, I'm excited, dudes. I'm doing a bunch of new shit. I'm working it out. It's going to be fun. Um, I think that's the last show I do, like last hour, excuse me, hour of stand-up I do before I give birth. I don't have any other hours in the books. Um, otherwise if you're in LA, I'm usually at the comedy store on the weekends. I usually do the Saturday early show cause I fucking love that show. Cause <sighs> sane people attend the early shows. You don't have a lot of drunks <laughs> like n- older people who I love. Who doesn't love the 50 year old couple who's like, I like comedy, but I want to, I want to go to the eight o'clock show uh, so we can be home in time for international house hunters. Cause I'm the same way. That's why I do the early show. <laughs> I want to be home. You think I want to be out at night with the drunks and the derelicts and the death cats and the masturbators. So here it is. Halloween. I'm so excited for Halloween. Don't you love this? Oh, I love the holidays. All right, let's go. Let's get deep on it. Bros. <laughs> Bro, oh, the misfits. Remember the misfits? Remember the misfits. Remember them? Before before they were a t-shirt brand at Hot Topic. <laughs> the misfits, uh the misfits are like like the Black Sabbath of uh of punk. You know, like Sabbath, those guys were really calculated. I don't I saw some documentary about them and at the time like rock music was super cool and in. But Ozzy and those guys were like, what if we kind of added goth to like rock music and like this goth rock band? And it just, it blew up because it was, it was like the right gimmick matched with great music and, um, and they just exploded and the Misfits kind of added goth to punk. Um, (laughs) I've always had mixed feelings about the Misfits because they're like, (laughs) for lack of a better word, they're kind of dopey. Uh, punk music like it's not like you're not gonna you know it's not like Henry Rollins blowing your mind with some shit it's not like the dead Kennedys are gonna enlighten you on the government it's like we're just 
We're just talking about bullshit. It's Halloween. It's a song about Halloween. Here's here's a song about some skulls. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. But they're they're good. You know, if you take them for what they are, uh, the Misfits are pretty rad. Um, Glenn Danzig was in them, in that band. He used to live in my old neighborhood, and uh, he had this house. You know how it is. When you drive by the house, you have to be like, oh, that's fucking Glenn Danzig's house. And... um and he was kind of a shut-in from what I understand. And his house was really overgrown. The bushes were out of control. But you're like, yeah, it's a guy from the Misfits. How fucking cool is that? So yeah, the Misfits. Okay, so here's a here's another one. I love the song by the Misfits. It's called Where Eagles Dare. But this lyric always made me laugh. Maybe you'll see why. Okay, here's here's Where Eagles Dare. It's, it's a fucking jam, though. Okay, ready? Yeah, fuckers. Oh, yeah. Let's light it on fire. We walk the streets at night. Yeah. We go where it goes there. Yeah. It's good, right? But wait, hold on. This part's retarded. Here we go. Hold on. That's my it's cool. It starts off cool. We walk the streets at night. We go where eagles dare. And then he's like, hey, I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. And not just that. You better think about it, baby. You better think about it. I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. You better think about it, baby. baby. Wait, why do I have to think about it? It was, it was always, this song is like such a rad song. And then that line is so dumb. You better think about it, baby. Think about why I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. And who even says that in life? Hey, man, I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. It's the Misfits. It's whatever. It's, it's still good, right? It's catchy. I just... I think I have a problem because I listen to what people say too much. I think I pay attention to lyrics too much. See? <laughs> okay, think about it. Think about it. Get deep on it. You got to get deep on the misfits if you're going to plan. That's my, that's the problem, dude. Like that's why I can't. I'm not down with like today's music because it's it's just like dog shit to me. I mean, I guess we're in like the pop era. It's like pop music's cool now. Uh, it just is, and and this is how the '80s was, right? Like it, it sucks for a decade, and then the '90s came and it was all rad. So maybe we're in the 80s and hopefully the next decade will bring about some kind of difference because I don't get it, dude. Like, I ain't down with pop music. I don't... You better get your life, to quote Tamar Braxton. So Halloween, I'm so glad it's here. Oh, don't you love Halloween? I don't dress up anymore uh, because um, I'm lazy. And I just, I don't go anywhere. So why would I... Why would I dress up? You know, I don't go anywhere. Um, I just hand candy out to all oh, my neighbors here. Oh my God. Uh, don't you hate neighbors? Aren't they the worst? You have to fucking talk to them. How is it going? How are you feeling? Oh God. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Uh, so Halloween, yeah, I don't dress up because I'm an adult and I don't give a shit. Um, I give a shit, but I just, I'm too lazy. To, what am I going to do? Every day of my life is a performance. I don't need to perform uh, on a holiday. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm always wearing a costume of some sort uh, to, to be a professional comedian. That's all it is, is. You're just talking nonsense and entertaining people. I don't have to do that on my off time. Yeah, but just because I'm a stick in the mud doesn't mean you should be. I hope you're having fun and, and partying and crap. And so I asked you guys to write in with your, your greatest fears and what really, really scares you. And not... The bullshit stuff, like spiders, oh, uh, back knee, oh, Taylor Swift, oh, like real stuff. So I'm going to get into that in a moment. But first, um, I got a really, 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 really insightful email about Tyler Oakley. And let's just say I was warned. I was warned that there might be some blowback to my shitting on Tyler Oakley. And for those of you who don't know who he is, if you didn't hear the last episode of That's Deep Bro, let me um 
let me enlighten you to who Tyler Oakley is. Uh, so go ahead, buckle up, get your barf bag ready, because here it goes. Oh, of course, there's a motherfucking Starbucks commercial. <sighs> okay, Tyler Oakley is one of those um, internet phenomenons. He is a phenomenon, like just a gazillion, million, billion, jillion um, subscribers. And it's, it's, dude, it's all worthy. Believe me. Like I've got nothing but admiration for people that have these killer fault. Like he did it. He did it. It's amazing. But just, okay. But just, I know you guys are like, who the fuck is Tyler Oakley? Here's just a taste of the content that this guy's putting out. Um, just, just, just fucking, okay. Listen to this. Everyone. My name is Tyler Oakley, and if there is one language that I am most fluent in, it would have to be emoji. And if you don't use emojis, you are missing out in life. I don't know yeah. who you are. I don't know what your life goal is. But girl, get with the times because I only... Okay, I think, you know, again, like he's a cute little gay dude. He's super sweet. Like, I'm sure he's a fucking rad person. I think just for me personally, like the high energy greeting... Uh, the the outer nonsense discussion of the the importance of emojis, um, just you know what I mean. I just I, it's just not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. And then there's Jenna Marbles. Do you know who that is? Jenna Marbles. For those of us who are over the age of thirty, have no fucking idea who these people are. She's like an, another cute internet girl who um, who does like skits about skits. I sound like I'm eighty. Videos about things in her world. Like I get it. She's she's a cute little, you know, 20 something year old girl and you know, she does little videos like what do girls nails mean or you know, stuff like that, which it, that's her world. I totally I, res I kind of respect it more than this because at least she's trying to make something um content out of the everyday, which is really really cute. It's actually some some of her stuff is pretty funny, I think. But um, so the video that I played last week was Tyler <clears throat> walking us through the purchases he made at Target and he's telling us that he's going to paint his nails black and then how he likes to paint. I was like, I'm going to fucking put a bullet in my mouth if I have to watch uh, Tyler Oakley talk. And so I, I put an earnest call out because I've really been wondering about this generation and I don't mean it to, I don't want to sound like an old fogey ripping on the young kids. I don't mean it like that. <clears throat> I mean it as a genuine wanting to really understand because I, I don't, and I, I really don't. Um, I just, I feel like there's a lot of complacency right now in this era. It's, it's weird to me that this generation isn't rebelling against what mom and dad did, because I think that's really normal and really healthy. And that's how change comes about is that every generation goes, no way, man, I'm not doing it that way. I'm, I'm doing it our way. And I just don't, I, I see a lot of complacency and it scares me. Uh, yeah. And also a lot of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's this pregnancy thing. It makes you phlegmy and disgusting. Uh, a lot of self, self, uh, a lot of real pats on the back. Like, like again, this generation to me seems very, uh, very into themselves, like the 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 selfies and the, the tweeting everything you're doing and thinking. And or this era, I shouldn't just blame this generation because older people are on Twitter. People my age, I'm on there, and I and I have to be for uh, professional reasons, right? <laughs> um, Facebook, all this shit. I just I don't get it. So anyway, this great this great email came in. This guy Eric wrote to me. And it really, really kind of like, oh, a light went off into my head and a light bulb went off. And I was like, well, this fucking makes sense. Okay, so <clears throat> so this kid's a college student who writes in, Eric, and he says, okay, when it comes to Tyler Oakley, I think it all points, okay, my, my issue with Tyler Oakley, by the way, is just that he's saying a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> You're like, what the, what is this guy? What do you stand for? Nothing. It's just it just seems to me to be a lot of horse shit and a lot of superficial uh, dog shit, like pop music. It's the 80s again. So anyway, Tyler Oakley, I think it all points to my generation's tendency and willingness to self-commodify. That's interesting. I think growing up with the internet has made people in their teens and 20s unable to distinguish between reality 
and the false reality of the internet. The internet is the perfect representation of what Guy Debord calls the spectacle. Yes, I know this and I've forgotten it. Uh, and it is what it is what Baudrillard bases simulacra and simulation on, which I freaking love. Uh, the book is Society of the Spectacle. <laughs> and he writes, that French bro was ahead of his time. And he certainly was. And it probably closely related to the book you mentioned. Okay, simulacra, he says it. Okay, navigating social relationships that are primarily rooted in a false reality is complex and thus frustrating and dissatisfying for many people. The complexity and confusion of technology-mediated relationships often isolate people and make them lonely. And the only option it feels like we are presented with to fill that lonely void is to immerse ourselves deeper into the spectacle. The spectacle, by the way, from what I remember with Guy Debord, is the idea that there's no differentiation between the real... Actually, what Baudrillard, Baudrillard kind of took Guy Debord's thing and said, there's the real and then there's the hyper-real. There's reality, which at one point we all kind of, we all agreed upon. There's a central truth and a reality in existence. And then there's the hyper real, which is um, the bullshit, the, the news reporting on the war. For instance, there's war and then there's images of the war that can be manipulated. And like Vietnam was the first war that was televised. And so people's perception of war became the televised version of the war versus what maybe is really happening on the ground. So the spectacle is similar in that it's the representation of reality and not necessarily reality. If I'm remembering Guy Debord uh, properly. So back to his email, he says people buy more things they don't need, of course, but it seems like this tendency is becoming ingrained much deeper in people and becoming something different altogether. Buying things doesn't fill the emptiness of one's lives so they have to do more. They have to look more perfect. They have to have exactly the right haircut and exactly the right clothes and exactly the right body and the, and the perfect Beats headphones and the perfect Starbucks coffee cup. And since the spectacle dictates that reality doesn't govern reality anymore, but instead images govern reality. Right. I forgot to mention that. The image. People believe that if they appear perfect, then by extension their lives will have to be perfect, which is really, really fucking right on bro and so why do people care about the pointless show on youtube i think a lot of viewers struggle to have social relationships that aren't mediated by objects since we are now living in the society of the spectacle so why would anyone give a shit that tyler oakley just bought carly ray jespin's new album i don't know but he seems happy so that might make the viewer feel a little vicariously happy and then the viewer might go buy the album so they can listen to the music and feel happy and remember that tyler oakley likes carly ray while they're listening so they know they've made a good purchase and they all ma and it makes them temporarily happy and forget they're lonely it's interesting it's one way for people to distract themselves from their problems absolutely i totally hey isn't that all of entertainment is to connect with people we don't really know with the the, the false especially television you know scripted programming um it's a way to to kind of connect I, I do it god i sit alone and watch you know television shows and get really immersed in them <laughs> probably to an, probably to an unhealthy degree where I should just I don't know call real people and hang out with them um but I really think it's interesting that the willingness to self-commodify is what's dictating this and I think I'm that's what I'm understanding with Instagram and the social media and wanting to be seen as perfect and to be seen all the time and that's that's I think what he's articulating is what I'm sensing and is a little scary uh, to me too, because uh, it means people aren't having genuine connections with other people. And that is the breakdown of society for sure. Yeah. Wow. And the need to be perfect, isn't that scary? And it, it's always been there, I think, with kids. I think in my generation too, is, is there was always the, the need to be, um, you know, especially growing up in California, blonde and, and tan and perfect um, and all that. And instead of going for it, I just rejected it, which is pretty much the same, I think, isn't it? To be like, man, I'm not going to do that. Fuck you. Stick it to the man. It's it's the same thing. <laughs> I just I just was, I just didn't want to try to be perfect. I just did something different. But wow, what an insightful email. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for for sending that. And I also talked to this millennial kid at the comedy store last week about it, and he made a great point. He said. Uh, he said that this generation is so hypnotized by technology. They're always down into the, the iPhone. 
and into the iPads and into the digital world, the spectacle. And I do, I do think that is, uh, that is definitely happening. It, it'll be interesting to see what comes about. It'll be interesting to see the next 10 years. Uh, if the economy takes another shit, then things are going to change a lot, and it's going to be really interesting to see what transpires, especially in comedy, because God knows that we need a dose of reality uh, in comedy, because this is some fucking dog shit that's happening now. Okay, so let's go. Um, that's all I had for you. By the way, scariest movie of all time, if you're going to be watching uh, scary movies, is this motherfucker right here. Tear your soul apart. Oh. Oh. Here he is. See if you can recognize this voice. First to say that. Oh. That's scary. Of course, the one. And you won't be the last. Pinhead, man. Pinhead. Oh, God. Oh. I am the way. Terrified. Okay, so Pinhead from Hellraiser. I don't know if you remember the wonderful Hellraiser movies based on Clive Barker's Books of Blood. This shit is so scary. I saw Hellraiser 2 in the theater when I was 13 years old, and I had to leave. I was traumatized. It was so good and scary. So, yeah, Hellraiser. Hellraiser 2, though, not number one. The first one's okay. I think Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is really where the Hellraiser movies are at, okay? He's extra scary. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of skin that rips off of people and stuff and hooks and <sighs> just shit gets me. It just really gets to me. It really gets to me. It's almost as scary as this. They speak emoji. If you don't know what emojis are, they are little emoticons or little images that you can use yeah. to convey feelings or emotions. This or is terrifying or as well. Okay. Okay. Tyler Oakley. Oh, fucking blow my brains out with Tyler Oakley. Okay. Let's get into it. <clears throat> Fears. Oh, I got some great ones from you guys. So here we go. Let's start off with Melissa. She gave me a great list of things. I love when people rattle off fears. It's so good. Okay, here we go. I fear my children being kidnapped. I fear my children being sexually abused and not telling me slash us about it. I fear anything bad happening to my children. I fear my children or Tom getting seriously ill. Tom's also her husband's name. I'm afraid of being old and feeling regretful that I didn't live up to my potential. I'm afraid my husband will wake up one day and realize that I am a piece of shit fraud he should never have married in the first place. I'm afraid of having a panic attack while speaking in public. I'm afraid of dying an early death of cancer. I'm afraid my children will turn into monsters who are unreachable and untouchable. Addicted, tattooed, addicts, prostitutes, criminals. I'm afraid of gaining weight. I fear saying no to people. I fear any type of conflict. I fear being poor and having to move in with my parents. God, me too. I think that's the biggest one is having to move in with my parents, that part. I would rather live in a cardboard box under the freeway than I'd rather be homeless and just eating out of dumpsters than living with my parents. Man, whew, I just got the chills. I fear my children will hate me and every attempt I make to reach out to them will be met with an eye roll. Oh, yeah. I fear my children will not be happy. I fear Tom not being happy. I fear anyone close to me not being happy. The list goes on and on. I mean, talk about, Melissa, you're really in touch with yourself. Uh, a really a little, a huge list. I think a lot of you can relate to this stuff. Uh, I, I definitely relate. I mean, I don't have my kid yet, but I already fear uh, losing my baby. That's fucking horrific. Um, okay, here's another one from Holly. At only 24, I have a pretty jaded view on life. I don't have the same shallow thoughts and feelings as my peers. I spent a lot of time working in customer service, and it's left me with very low expectations for humanity. No shit. Girl, I've worked some of those customer service jobs. If you want to lose your faith in humanity, go wait tables or go work for any, in any capacity with the public. And you will soon realize that <laughs> that feeling that you have inside of you that tells you you're smarter than most of the people out there, it's fucking accurate, okay? Because I don't even know how things get done in society. <laughs> anyway, I think this has permanently shaped me into how I look at life. 
That being said, I am most afraid of my life having no meaning or purpose. I'm afraid that I'll wake up one day and wonder what the hell I spent my entire life working towards. Oh, shit. I'm currently waking up and feeling this way. I only graduated from college two years ago, but I'm still anxious that I'm not doing enough with my time. I want to be known for accomplishing great things during my lifetime. I'm not talking about something revolutionary like discovering electricity, but I want to really contribute to society in the most positive way possible. I'm terrified I'll be one of those people who sits on their ass in an office until the day they retire. I might be... I might be one of the only American 24-year-olds who gives a shit about this, Holly. <laughs> Holly, I don't think you're alone, girl, because I felt the same way you did uh, at the same age that you did. But let me tell you something. If you're actually having these thoughts, chances are you're not going to be one of those people who sits on their ass in an office until the day they retire because you're already thinking how absurd that is. You're already there, and it's once it's in the mind... To quote the Beastie Boys, every thought in the mind is a plan conceived. Right? Is that the line? I don't fucking know. Yeah, so you got to watch your thoughts. Um, and I, I, you listen, I don't blame you. Uh, 24 years old sucks, no matter how you dice it up. It's, you look amazing. It's the best time in your life looks-wise, but, you know, it's the worst in terms of your emotional life is a fucking mess. Your financial world is, doesn't even exist. You're just paying off debt. It's a tough place to be. It is a tough place to be. But as long as you're thinking these thoughts, I guarantee you're way ahead of the game. And uh, I, did a, I did an episode on purpose. So go listen to that if that'll help. People said it helped them before. But that's, that's also shit that you're not, you're not born knowing what you want to do with your life. Some people are. Justin Timberlake was because I watched him on Oprah's uh, masterclass. <laughs> Aside from Justin Timberlake, most of us don't know what the fuck we're doing on this planet. And it's an active search to um, to figure out meaning because I don't think life isn't I don't think life isn't intrinsically meaningful, inherently meaningful. I think you have to work at ascribing meaning to it. So there you go. But I get it. The fear of uh, not having purpose of wasting your life. That's a very, very valid uh, fear. Very good. Very good. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, this is from Lorraine. She says, after having my mom kill herself seven years ago, I fear the unexpected sudden death of loved ones. For sure. I fear that all the time. I, feel, I fear my husband dying um, more than anything. It's, it's God, can you imagine? But probably an even bigger fear, uh, Lorraine writes, is missing out on things, getting close to people, traveling because of the first fear. I know the space and energy those fears takes up prohibits so much. I'm working on this crap in therapy, and I'm so grateful for some of your books. Oh, then she brings up Brene Brown. Uh, yeah, the fear of losing the sudden death of loved ones. I had Kevin Christie on the show, and we talked about grief um, he lost his father suddenly in a tragic hiking accident. And, uh, yeah, that can happen. Um, <laughs> there's nothing, it sucks because all these fears, are, it's, it's all shit that's out of your control. That's the worst part about it. But missing out on things, getting close to people oh, because of the fear of losing them. Yeah. I think that's a fear of abandonment, right? I think that's what that boils down to. Yeah, I think I have a similar thing. I don't, I don't like to get too close to people because they could disappoint me. I think that's what I'm afraid of, or they abandon me. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <clears throat> so Ariana writes, when I started thinking about death, because uh, so Ariana started thinking about death obsessively from the time she was six. It wasn't the act of dying that would scare me. It was more so the afterthought of death that would freak the shit out of me. She wrote, I would start to sink into what I like to call a black hole of rhetorical questions like, what happens after I die? What happens after all my friends die? What happens after everyone on Earth dies? What happens after our galaxy stops existing? What happens to thoughts? Where do thoughts go? Will I ever think again? But how can thoughts not think? Will I stare into white space for the rest of my life? Will it feel like I'm trapped in a room with nothing to see but white? Et cetera, et cetera. As you can imagine, it was an endless sea of questions that no one could ever answer, at least not in our lifetime. It sucked. 
Then I would start crying and panicking. And of course, who could possibly understand this shit? This still happens every now and then, but not as much as it used to. Yeah, I get that. This fear of death is like number one, I think. It's it's like the absolute primordial fear, right? Fear of extinction. It's fucking terrifying. Because we can't even wrap our little dog brains around it. Can you wrap it around there that you're just not going to exist one day, that one day we're just not going to exist? And then and then what happens? I know. It's fucking terrifying. Where do we go? And nobody really knows. I mean, some people have theories. I wrote, I've read this book about the, um, the neuroscientist who uh, was in a coma. What's the name of that book? Fuck me, your mother. I can't remember it. Anyway, he was in a coma, and he swears he had a near-death experience and he came back and he wrote a book about it. And he swears there's a heaven. Oh, Proof of Heaven. Proof of Heaven. Another Oprah Book Club thing. Definitely not a philosopher's book. More of a uh, new agey, touchy-feely book. But nonetheless, interesting enough because he uses science to kind of back up what he's talking about. Here's the thing, though. With the fear of death stuff, is like, chances are you're probably not even going to know you're dead. You know what I mean? Like... It won't matter. I, I fear a painful death. I think that's the one that scares me. Like to be, to be terrified moments before you die. That part's fucked up. Like, like I always think about that scene in Fight Club. You know where they're flying and then the plane just splits in half, and everyone goes flying out. Like that's that to me is like <sighs> so scary. <sighs> I hate that. Okay, so the other fear I feel like a total lunatic for is a fear of going nuts, like literally losing my mind and being placed in an insane asylum. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, fear losing their minds. Again, here's the good news. Do you even know that you've lost your mind? Like, I, I don't even think you know. I just think you kind of accept that as your new reality and then you just deal with your new reality. It's like being on acid. Like when you take too much acid, you just kind of have to ride the wave. Like you just know that your brain is doing something, but I don't know. You don't know any different. Here's one from Trevor. The thing that scares me the most is the thought of not being remembered. (sighs) What you're telling me. I hate the idea of being the hermit who never left their hometown and worked at the Walmart for 30 years. I even hate the idea of just having a family. And having some nonsense job where no one will remember me after I retire, it scares me that someone can live their entire life without making any sort of impact on society. In my mind, it would almost be like wasting the gift of being a person. The odds of even being born are so stacked against you. That's not doing something substantial. Oh, that not doing something substantial scares the shit out of me. Also, Alzheimer's. That shit's freaky as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree, Trevor. I think that's one of, I mean, you know, as a stand-up comic, that's one of my biggest things is not being remembered, being forgotten. I think that's why I do this show or or tell dick jokes to strangers is, is to be acknowledged, to be uh, to not be thought of as irre- irrelevant, to be heard. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting. Lack of purpose is a big one with you guys. Just somebody who works at Walmart for 30 years. <sighs> I used to hate the idea of having just a family and being normal too, by the way, Trevor. And then I found that the normal stuff is actually way better than the extravagant shit. That's the irony, is that you'll actually accomplish cool stuff and you'll be like, yeah, but I'd rather sit at home on my couch with my dogs and my husband and like do banal shit like watch Homeland. (laughs) Because that stuff's way more fun. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to lay on your deathbed and be like, I am... I am so stoked that I did uh, six shows, you know, in Dubuque this week or um, not, you know, no knock on Dubuque if you live there. But as a human, you're not going to lay on your deathbed being like, that was awesome. I'm glad I did more professional things in my career. I'm glad I'm glad I uh, I'm a megalomaniac. No, you're going to it's relationships, I believe, connections with people. Okay, Alexa says, I'm terribly afraid of ending up like my mother and maternal grandmother. Girl, you talking about, I don't know what that's like. Both have had unsuccessful marriages and have a deep resentment towards their ex-husbands. 
Their cynical perspectives are overly negative and are always blamed on the terrible male figure that, quote, did them wrong. I'm in a very happy relationship with a great guy, but I'm so afraid to commit because of this fear of loss and potential resentment to follow. With no good direct influence for a successful marriage, I'm afraid to consider it. Girl, I had the same shit. You know, I didn't want to get married to Tommy because I was so afraid that uh, that I couldn't do marriage because both my parents had been divorced and married twice. And all I had seen is failure and horror. And I agree, my mother talked nonstop shit about my dad uh, who abandoned her and this and that nonsense. And, uh, you know, the only thing you have to, who am I going to give advice, but the thing that helped me was to go, yeah, you don't have a blueprint, but you can create, you can create your own. And that's the beautiful, magical part of this life is that you can create your own blueprint. Who says, and who says even people that are doing it right are doing it the only right way. The beautiful part, the beautiful part of having a-hole parents uh, who did a lot of shit wrong is that (laughs) you can come up with your own way and you can do it your way and it can be awesome. Uh, Deanna writes, the first time I can acknowledge a true feeling of fear is the day my son was born. He was born 11 weeks early and spent a month in the hospital. Oh my God. But that is the fear of helplessness, knowing that you can neither, you have neither the skill nor knowledge to help and can do nothing but wait and watch. Helplessness is a, is a huge one because uh, so much of life is out of your control. Unfortunately, a lot of life is out of your control. Anita, the ongoing fear that I am not living with purpose. Again, purpose comes up. The thought that I don't know myself and what I am supposed to accomplish that scares me because after living a life of doing what everyone else expected of me, being what others expected and failing at many of those things, I now have the freedom to finally steer my own course and have the paralyzingly have the paralyzing fear of, well, what do I do now? It is so true. Freedom to be yourself is often a double-edged sword. Of course. Of course it is. Because absolute freedom is terrifying. It means you can fail. <laughs> at least if you're trying to be what everyone else wants, you've got a mold, a shitty mold to fill up, Right. When you've got a tabula rasa, when you're freeballing, that's even worse. That's absolutely true. You're absolutely right. And, and you're afraid of making the wrong mistake, right? The wrong decision, I mean. You're, you're afraid of going in the wrong way. But here's the thing. There's no such thing as the wrong way. There's a detour. There's a bad decision for now. And then like GPS, you recalibrate, right? Like you make a shitty decision and you go, that didn't work. And then rerouting it's going to help you reroute and you get your use your intuition you use your guidance system your internal guidance system to bring you somewhere better (laughs) yeah i know dude not living with purpose i agree oh man there's so much shit andrew from uh from adelaide i've been there uh so he has anxiety um i don't have the normal racing heart sweats and head spins no, 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 I feel like I'm going to vomit. It wouldn't be so bad if <laughs> if that was my biggest fear. Oh, I am the same way. I feel a tiny bit sick. It ends up being a full-blown panic attack. Yes, I've had a severe phobia of vomiting my entire life from the time I was in third grade. I've ha- And I'm the same way. I, w- I would get obsessed with food. Like I would, I would eat something and then count down <laughs> the hours after to see if I had cleared the sickness zone. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't eat certain things and get into the, into the car and drive on the freeway because I was convinced, like, oh, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick. Yeah, I have a fear of vomiting, too. I still do. I, I fucking, I still do. I was so afraid of getting pregnant because then I was like, oh, I'm going to vomit. Okay, Sean writes, my fear is I'm afraid of talking. I have a stutter, and every time I open my mouth, I stutter. Oh, well, of course of course, and you're afraid of people judging you or making fun of you. That's that's horrible. That's a horrible fear. I'm sorry, Sean. I hope you get to talk because I think people do want to hear what you have to say. Hold on. Let me just check on something professional. Oh, okay. What else do we have? Death again comes up. Aging slash stomach illness. I have the same thing. Mental illness. A lot of people are afraid of going crazy. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Okay. So interesting, guys. Thank you so much for writing in and sharing uh, what your pri- what your your fears are. 
Um, I really appreciate it. I'll share you. I'll, I'll read your mind too. I have a fear of being irrelevant, like uh, just being a loser, like kind of what you guys are saying, like not having purpose, not really being anything significant. I have a fear of failure. Um, I have a fear of being handicapped. Like, oh, I would just, I would hate to, I would just hate it. And I know you adapt to it, obviously. But I, I just don't want to deal with it. And then the fear of Tom dying or my baby dying. For sure, for sure, for sure. So here's an interesting article sent in from, from Lou in Psychology Today. And basically what this says is that all these fears that we just talked about are really like are like subcategories of fear. Um, and there's only five basic fears out of which all the other so-called fears come from, which I think is really interesting. And when you think about it, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So there's the fear of extinction. These are primary fears. Five, extinction, the fear of annihilation or of ceasing to exist, right? And we talking about the fear of death. That came up a lot. So the idea of no longer being, of no longer being, um, kind of gives us a prime, like a primary existential anxiety in, in all normal humans. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Extinction, fear of extinction, fear of mutilation. Hey, I just said that the fear of losing any part of your precious bodily structure, the thought of having our body's boundaries invaded or of losing the integrity of any organ, body part or natural function. Absolutely. And that's how people have anxiety um, about animals, bugs, spiders, snakes, and creepy things. comes from the fear of mutilation. You don't want to be uh, torn apart, eaten by things. Interesting. Yeah, spiders. Because what's a spider really going to do to you? They're so small. But what if they mutilate you? What if they crawl in your ears and make babies in the middle of the night in your ears? Oh, oh. Gross. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, number three, loss of autonomy. The fear of being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, enveloped, overwhelmed, and trapped, imprisoned, smothered, or otherwise controlled by circumstances beyond our control. In physical form, it's commonly known as claustrophobia, but it also extends to our social interactions and relationships. A loss of autonomy. Yeah, like a fear of marriage and stuff. You're afraid you're going to be taken over by something. And then there's number four, separation. The fear of abandonment, of rejection, loss of connectedness, of becoming a non-person, not wanted, respected, or valued by anyone else. The silent treatment, ooh, when imposed by a group can have a devastating psychological effect on its death. Yeah, I can see that, of separation. To be separated from the herd, you know, that's ostracized socially. Um, yeah. Like, look at poor Steve Renazizi for telling a silly story years and years ago as being shamed and ostracized from the group. That's fucking terrible. It's fucking terrible. Ego death. The fear of humiliation, shame, or any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of the self. The fear of the shattering or disintegration of one's constructed sense of lovability, capability, and worthiness. So basically, those are the five ones, and everything is sort of a variant on that. It's all rooted in that. So, for instance, my fear of failure would be, I guess, just ego death. Uh, the fear that I'll be worthless. The fear that I'll be, yeah, well, self-disapproval. There it is. So that's a big one for me. I think men have that one, too, of being irrelevant. Oh. Oh, fear of Tom dying. That's separation. So fear of, of separation. Oh my God, it's so scary. Well, yeah. So there you have it. Well, the thing is, bros, is that uh, there's this great book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I've discussed this book before. I think Susan Jeffers is the name of the woman. Um, but thank, thank you, Lou, by the way, for this article <clears throat> in Psychology Today. Uh, but that great book, Feel the Fear and, and Do It Anyway, I mean, uh, I highly recommend reading that. And I think what her thesis is is that uh, 
fears they come in different categories. Like there's your basic stuff, you know, fear of public speaking, fear of spiders, and then the deeper stuff like fear of separation, fear of failure, blah, 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 blah. And basically what's at the root of all these fears is um, the fear that you can't handle it. The fear that you can't handle any of these things happening. You know, so for instance, you fear your the death of a loved one, you fear all this shit happening. It's not the, the event, because the event will suck, but it's more that like, oh my God, I can't handle it. And that's the, um, yeah, that's the suck part of it. And this book, it says that you will always have fear. Like, it doesn't go away. Fear never goes away. And, th- and the idea that like, if you just face your fear, it's going to go away. No, I think it lessens somewhat, but I wouldn't say that it goes completely away. You're always going to have fear. You have to act despite your fear. That's the huge part is to go forward and do the thing you're going to do while maintaining fearfulness. <laughs> and there's also like kind of a a way you have to do, right? It's the fear of something versus not doing something. The fear of doing something versus the fear of not doing something. For instance, in about six weeks, um, I'm going to have to birth a person out of my body and whether it be naturally or through a C-section, I'm terrified, like fucking terrified. And I'm afraid not even of, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of the most with the cesarean. It's not um, them cutting me open and tearing a baby out of me. I'm afraid of the catheter. For some reason, I have this thing of like, I don't want the catheter in my pee hole. That's the one I'm afraid of most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but the fact is I have to do an analysis here. Do I have to, there's no way out of this situation. There's only one way out. Either I keep the baby in me, which is not a possibility or I have to birth it somehow. So yeah, (laughs) but I can handle it, right? Everybody can handle it. Women have handled it for millions and zillions of years. I think I can fucking handle this. So, um, Yeah. Basically, fear will always be there. It's always going to happen, and you have to do what you're going to do despite the fear. And that's and that's what a successful human being is, right? Everybody's so afraid of not finding their purpose. Well, you're not going to find it if you can't overcome the fear of trying things and failing. That's the problem. Not, I mean, not problem, but the uh, the crux of it uh, is you got to be able to push past it and keep going. Why is trying shit so scary? Trying. <laughs> trying is the scariest. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about the death stuff. That's just part of it, guys. But the trying. So there you have it. We did what scares us. Um, thank you so much for sharing. That was a lot, you guys. That was a lot. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this earlier, about this topic. Is that... um. Ah, we're all afraid of this crap happening to us. And here's the reality. Of all these fears that you have, mm, most of them won't come true. Like, I would say the horrible thoughts that I have in my head, 90% of them never come true. So if you can stop scaring yourself, that will be really helpful. (laughs) Like, just stop scaring yourself. I've had to tell myself that so much. I just stop thinking those thoughts that are not going to help you, Christina. Stop thinking that your baby's dead all the time in your belly. It's not all. Stop thinking um, every time I get on the freeway, this is the time I'm going to die. Or um, am I going to wake up in the morning? I might die. Or I don't know, a a million things. This is the burrito that's going to kill me. Like I, I can't, I can't think about this shit all the time. It's not healthy. And secondly, I have had a lot of my worst fears realized in my lifetime. And here's the part that that people don't tell you is that they suck. <sighs> but you can handle it. Like when your worst fears do come true, it's this weird thing that happens where you just kind of deal with it. You just kind of go through it. Um you find that you have the ability to handle whatever is happening. And it's really not as bad as you thought. Like, 
There's a lot of things that suck in life, but you can handle it. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of one. I think my mom dying and me having to go through all her shit, I really didn't want to do that. That was one of my worst fears of like, oh, I have to deal with all of her bullshit. And like, yeah, it happened. And I just did. And that was it. So yeah, most sometimes and sometimes the worst thing will happen to you, unfortunately. But it's not the end. It really isn't because you're a capable human being and you can handle whatever is being thrown at you. You just have to remember that shit, bros. Bad shit happens, but you're a fucking capable person and, and you'll deal with it. You'll deal with whatever happens. And Tyler Oakley will wake up and make another video about what nail polish she bought today. And the world keeps on turning and you will wake up tomorrow and you'll just keep going until you stop. Until whatever fucking happens and you drop dead. But until then, yeah, messed up things happen and you just kind of deal with it. Because nobody has a perfect life. Well, no, that's not true. There are people that have perfect lives, but they're few and far between. Most of us have had horrible things happen. And then you just kind of move on and you find a way to make fun of it along the way. I hope. I hope. (laughs) I think I have. I think that's the key to it all, right? Is to find a way to make fun of yourself somewhere along the lines. Yeah. A lot of people have anxiety. You guys write to me a lot about having anxiety and depression. And I get it. I get it. That's 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 part of being human, guys. And I think the more you tell people about it and you express it, the the better it gets. Because holding that stuff in is what kills you, man. That's what that's what manifests into bad decisions and bad bad things. But know that you're not alone. We're all not alone in this. Everybody has the same fears and the same crap. We all deal deal with the same shit. So anyways, I hope hearing other people's fears um, has helped you. And I hope that this has been deep for you, (laughs) as it has been for me. And uh, come see me October 29th at the Brea Improv if you're local. I'd love to see you. Come say hi to me after the show. I think I will stand out there. I think I will. And yeah, it's been deep, bro. Uh, Thanks for listening. Come back next week. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize Philosophize with us. Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro